In this week's episode, Ingrid Harb, who is founder of Noda Inclusion, and I will chat about non-gendered uniform policies, salary transparency laws, and more. Hey there, my name is Bernadette Smith. Welcome to Five Things in 15 Minutes, my weekly show where I bring good vibes to DEI. That is good vibes to diversity, equity, and inclusion with a little dash of corporate social responsibility. What I've found is that there are lots of news stories about what's going wrong in the world and lots of negative data, but there are also a lot of things going right. That's what I like to focus on. I search for DEI stories that we can be inspired by and learn from. My hope is to inspire you to experiment with some of these inclusive actions and policies within your own organization to help you build a more inclusive world. Ingrid, will you please uh, introduce yourself and kick us off? I'll let you introduce yourself any way that you feel comfortable. Thank you. And I'm over here outside of a coffee shop, making sure everybody is quiet. <laughs> We're the only standing coffee shop that ex that is has Wi-Fi and power in Florida. Thank you for having me. Um, really, it's an honor. And like you said, I, I lead and started Nota Inclusion really out of following my own path, which has always been empowering women. I started an organization for empowering women globally at 19 and scale it to 130 countries. And so while doing literally DEI work and gathering women from around the world, the companies that were sponsoring my summit would see the experiences that I was creating and they would be like, oh, wait, can we see more? And so that's how Noda Inclusion was born, was from that necessity of realizing that I didn't want to do it just for women either, that it was a, a human problem, that it was a human need. And we've been ever since 2019 producing uh, intersectional and inclusion experiences for, for Fortune 100 and Fortune 500 companies. Um, and yeah, that, that's that's how we were born. So that's that's truly uh, where life has taken me by saying yes to, to what I love to do. I love that. I, you have a, a fantastic story. And I think it's really cool that you create experiences. And by the way, thank you. Let me just say from the top, you are joining us in Fort Myers. Your, your area has been really devastated. So I really appreciate that you are with us today. Um, and I'm thinking about all of the folks there and elsewhere, Puerto Rico still, that are really, really struggling. So Really appreciate you being here. And, uh, and I really love your story. And that's one of the reasons I want, I was on your, your live stream and now it's, you know, tables are turned. I love really getting to know you and hearing how you create these experiences. So in these experiences and what you're working on with these companies, what are some of the things that are giving you the most hope that are giving you the most inspiration? Yeah, I think right now, what gives me the most hope is that people need it. So it's not only just a business case anymore. Like this is, it's a healing process and everyone's embarking on it and people need to heal. I, I mean, that's where we are as a society. And so what I've been able to do in these companies is essentially create spaces where that consciousness and that, you know, healing journey gets activated because that's truly inclusion and belonging. I mean, you have to feel good within yourself. You have to 
know that it's within you so you can give it. And yeah. so if companies are expecting people to do and be and give and, and be inclusive, but they don't give them the tools to feel inclusive, then nothing is worth it and, and nothing is going to work. And so what I've loved to see and what gives me hope is that, is that it's not just a business case anymore. It's like your people need it. And if we don't do this, you're going to lose them, period. Yeah, absolutely. I still find myself making the business case a lot. I mean, there's there's an urgency there. And I think that the you're right, that, that there, there is an urgency there. Unfortunately, I still find that I have to talk about the dollars and the cents and the data, you know, as part of the conversation. And it is what it is. We're getting there. Um, but I'm glad you're seeing, you're having a different experience. Yeah, I mean, you know what, for me, I mean, this is learning development work. Learning and development has been a part of corporations for, you know, years. I mean, it's it's a requirement for many corporations. For several industries, it's actually law that you have to get certain credits in learning and development. And so for me, it's just a matter of integrating it. Like learning and development was missing this part of equity work and inclusion work and the quality work, you know, more like equity. But it, it was missing this lens. And so it was, it wasn't allowing for people to be truly themselves. Like you were being asked to be singled out into just one identity. And then you had to embrace the most you could, or you had to assimilate to what it is that you were working on. And now the younger generations are like, hell no, like, I'm not going to assimilate. I'm not going to fit in. And either the companies change or they don't. And so I really, I agree with you. Like sometimes you do have to make the business case, especially if your product is expensive or if your service is not, you know, it, it, they have to get approved the budget or whatever. But at the end of the day, it's like just showing how much it costs to replace talent should be enough. You know? Sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, let me just say one more thing. We are in the middle now of National Hispanic Heritage Month. You grew up in Mexico, if memory serves. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah, I did. Can you tell me a little bit about something you're seeing this month that, that is exciting you about how companies are celebrating? Anything that's been unique or special this time around? Yeah, I would say the one word is activating. I've noticed um, we actually just came out of a session now from because with Noda, we also built the speakers bureau. And so it was it was first because there are really no minority owned speaking bureaus um, in the in the world. I mean, majority are are white male owned. And I'm be, I'm stereotyping, but it's true because it's all about connections and who you know. And that's how these bureaus have been built out of privilege. And so um, we just had a session right now, and I feel like what even if the majority of the company is non-Hispanic. The case, I mean, Hispanics are one of the largest populations in the world. I mean, you know, and, and there's so much statistic around, you know, the Hispanic Latin community that it's it's like if they don't hop in, they're going to lose a huge market share. Right. And so what I'm seeing right now, it's obviously the dollar conversation and then seeing like, how is this good for me, even though it is good because it's diversity, but they're going to lose out if companies don't understand how to hire, retain Hispanics, or tap into this market, they're going to lose out. I mean, one in three, and I'm not going to say a lot of statistics because I may be butchering it and I don't want to butcher it, but one in three will be Hispanics, right? At what out of three people, and God knows, I don't know what number, uh, Claudia Romo Edelman was, I was just in, in her session. But anyway, I mean, that is huge, right? Um, and so 
I think for me as a Latina, um, somebody that has definitely assimilated uh, and that has made sure that I don't have an accent. And my name is not Hispanic because I'm multi, you know, cultural. I come from different backgrounds. Um, I think it is important, again, if this part of belonging, right, that, that Latinos and Latinx and Hispanics can show up and can be themselves. And I'm seeing activation. That's what I'm seeing. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I hope it's a very busy month for you. All right. So let's get on to these good vibes for this week. Um, so the first good vibe is about Virgin Atlantic Airways which is the first airway to have a non-gendered uniform policy. And they're actually very progressive in general. Um, earlier this year, they announced that flight attendants could have ta visible tattoos, for example. But now flight attendants can, uh, someone who might be non-binary can choose you know, to wear a skirt or pants or any of the other uni approved uniform standards, as long as they are those approved standards. But people don't have to choose the gender that they were assigned at birth, the uniform of the gender they were assigned at birth. So I think this is very, very cool. What do you think about this? I mean, it's amazing. I, I, yeah. I think that, uh, again, this, this part of how do you make sure people can show up authentically can be their whole intersectionality, right? Mm -hmm. um, I mean, I, I ask you and I ask the audience that is, is watching, I mean, what does it feel like to be singled out to one single identity? If you look at me and you see that I'm a woman, that maybe you can't really tell if I'm a, a Hispanic, maybe you can, I don't know. But there are so many other things about me that make me me. And there are, are many things that, you know, change along the years, but that are part of, of my intersectionality. And so I think that is amazing news. And I did not know that. And because again, with with Hurricane Ian, we've been disconnected from the world for a few days. Everything has been about where we'll like the hurricane and, and trying to make it. But I think, again, I think that's amazing. It's like, I can't believe, I mean, I'm, I still go back to my training for my consulting firm, the first yeah. job I ever took out of college. And rem I remember sitting through a session that talked about how to dress for the client. And I remember people asking about what reading glasses they could use and, and what uniform, you know, what they yeah. should show up with and, and what's appropriate and what's not and how could they, t I mean, and all these, again, it's, it's these trainings of assimilating that we got to unlearn. And I think that them doing that and stepping up and allowing their people to, to have a choice, you know, to show who they are is freaking awesome. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, my my favorite dress code policy of all time is from GM, whose dress code is two words, dress appropriately. I love that. Pretty great. Yeah. All right. So the next story comes from a bunch of companies who are actually in reinvesting in the Tent Partnership. So the Tent Partnership is founded by Chobani CEO Hamdi Yulkaya, which is a partnership. It's a it's a nonprofit providing resources to companies so that they can hire more refugees. And so a bunch of new companies have now re-upped their commitment. So Amazon, Hilton, Pepsi, just a few of the companies that are committing to hiring more than 22,000 refugees in the next couple of years. It's great. So I work with a lot of refugee activists and I myself have helped get two ambassadors out of Afghanistan. And I have friends that work with the UN in literally helping provide support and policy, change policies and, and have resources for refugees. And I know the U.S., um, and I don't want to get into politics, but there, there was a time where 
it was really hard for refugees to come to the U.S. Um, for me, I think what you just shared of, of finding ways of reemployment. I mean, these are people that had some of them, a lot of, of these people that were forced out of their country. I mean, I imagine right now I'm in Florida and I don't have electricity and there's no power, but I'm not being forced out. And even, even when I was leaving Fort Myers, um, where there were police officers like through the street telling us to evacuate. I mean, we had a home to come back to, right? And there are resources and there are restaurants that are providing food that we can always go and rely on, right? And they're fixing, I mean, there are all these perks of being in a first world country. Can you imagine not having a home to go back to? I mean, I can't even imagine. And so for me, I mean, I have a lot of friends that are refugees and I know a lot of people and I've worked with them. It's like, these people had beautiful homes and lives. Like you're not, you know, they had established jobs. They were doctors or entrepreneurs or, you know, and they were forced out. And so it's not out of empathy, right? It's it's out of necessity and out of knowing that these people do have things to offer and that it wasn't, I mean, really it was not under their control. And so we have control and we can make space for people with talent and, you know, regardless, um, to support them, why not? Again, I mean it, and I think even they'll have more loyal employees if you give them a chance, right? And they give somebody that is in a situation where they don't have a lot of options an opportunity to to be employed. I think that is awesome. Absolutely, and the tent partnership really does provide that bridge. It provides both the employer and the refugee with resources and tools to make it as successful of a partnership as possible, and the refugees wonderful thing about them for employers is that they have a very low turnover rate. Yeah. And uh, especially right now, that actually, that means a lot. So um, I love the win-win. All right. The next story comes from Activision Blizzard, which is a video game company, which created a Level Up You boot camp specifically to expand the diversity of their engineers. So the pilot program was a 12-week program. It had 104 folks from underrepresented backgrounds who previously wouldn't really have access to getting jobs in the video game industry. It's a very hands-on intensive training. They even had 15 folks from within their own company from underrepresented groups. And all of these folks are guaranteed a job in video games. And it's just, it's a pilot. They're going to be doing more. And I like this because Activision Activision Blizzard just settled a bunch of uh, harassment lawsuits and misconduct cases. So they're really turning themselves around. Hmm, interesting. So funny enough, my second job out of college, so I kept building the forum. And my second job was actually with a company called LaunchCode. And we did exactly that. We would train people in a free coding program, and then we would place them. And all of the people that I placed, because I got to open the Florida market for them, they're still employed by the same employer and this is you know years after and so i think that there are actually a lot of initiatives already doing this maybe not so well with the term of diverse candidates right you would see a very and this is i mean it it isn't a pipeline problem it's where they're looking for these developers and whether they're looking for them younger um as well and how are you making sure that kids and teenagers before they choose their career have access to coding so that they do choose a career in coding. Because a lot of, I mean, the biggest problem is is they're just not 
exposed to it, right? Absolutely, um, sure. As boys, as boys are, yeah, and, and also representation. So I think that is so cool. And I myself have a nonprofit that I'm getting ready to um, to scale and assign somebody else to lead it because it's so not aligned to what I do, but it's literally that. I mean, we provide teenagers uh, to access to coding, and it's sponsored by one company, and we place them in internships, and it's been amazing um, to see the turnaround of how many girls that, or, or just kids that enroll in our program from minority backgrounds end up liking code. I mean, it really starts at a younger age. It doesn't start right after college. I absolutely agree. I think middle school is when you really need to, to get these kids for sure. And what I think this is, makes this a little bit unique is that it's specifically video gaming, um, which is probably slightly different, but I think it's, it's very, very cool. Any way that we can upskill people and provide them opportunities to create more wealth, especially folks who don't have uh, necessarily as easy access to um, the resources that I had as a kid, for example. And I would say with video, I mean, video games are expensive. And so you're also playing in and then the equipment of video games. So yeah, that's like a whole nother ball game on how do you make sure it's you decentralize or you ensure that kids have access to video games. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Next story is from the state of California, which now requires uh, passed a law requiring all employers with 15 or more employees to provide salary ranges in the job descriptions. So it's about pay transparency, 15 or more employees. And this is California is the largest state. There are a handful of others which have a pay transparency law. And the goal here is to help those, um, to help folks get what they're, get paid what they're worth. Cause there are a lot of folks who underestimate what they think that they can get paid. Um, and that's part of what this will, this law will do. I love California is always ahead. Absolutely. <laughs> always with everything. We've got to just follow whatever California passes so we can implement it in our States. Um, but I think I, I I think with that law, maybe there will be gender par. I mean, you know, parity in, in terms of uh, paying. You know, gender parity. I mean, really, in terms of salary. Um, I'd be curious though to see like more in terms of you know diversity and and race as well, and how transparent that is, right? And how you know, not only you get the salary, but how are you ensuring that you're giving that to, you know, all genders, right? Uh, or how are you making sure that um, even though it's clear that's 50, if a, somebody comes in from a gender that's generally known as being more paid than, than the other, that that person won't ask for, you know, how do you ensure that even though there is still clarity of salary, mm -hmm that the actual, you know, like when you get whatever it is that you get, that there is transparency there too. Absolutely. I mean, like a lot of laws, uh, <laughs> it's not necessarily a lot of accountability. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, I, <laughs> but I do think the transparency piece is key. And also because um, folks within their own company can even ask for salary bans for salary ranges as well. So it's not just pot pot potential um, employees who are being able to get the access to this information, but current employees as well. So it's transparency all around. 
And ultimately, I think the more we talk about what people are getting paid, the less likely we were, the more likely we are to reduce the, the gender and racial wealth gap. Native folks, our Native women are paid 60 cents on the dollar. So I'll take whatever we can get to close that gap. All right, last story of the week comes from Colorado, which now has a chamber of commerce focused on neurodiversity. And it's the first state in the country, the first neurodiversity chamber of commerce in the country designed to partner folks with, who are, have neurodiversity with companies who want to work with them. Pretty great stuff Give, because there's a really high underemployment rate. 85% of autism, uh, of college grads with autism are unemployed. Mm. unbelievable yeah and it's again you go back to the way that you gotta assimilate and there's you know there's certain demographics and i mean if you have autism you can't assimilate right and so for them there isn't that option at least i can right Mm -hmm. what about everybody else that can't assimilate how are you creating i would be curious though to see so that's great, but I would be curious to see, make sure how they're changing things within their companies to ensure that they stay or that mm-hmm. they have the right tools and resources to be able to, to be successful, right? Because the last thing you want to do is hire diverse talent and then put them in a situation where they're not going to succeed. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think that they, they're offering resources like training for managers and advice on things like work environments, changing the physical environment to make it more friendly for neurodiverse talent. Things like dimmable lighting, quiet rooms, things like that. Those are the types of physical space benefits that can help these neurodiverse folks succeed. I know that there are a lot of companies, but the larger companies are certainly starting to, to consider that. Companies like P&G and Dell have done a lot around neurodiversity. So I'm glad that the Chamber of Commerce exists to start, you know, to keep these conversations going and keep these partnerships alive. All right, Ingrid, thank you so much for joining me today for five things in 15 minutes. For folks who don't already get the five things newsletter, you can subscribe at fivethingsdei.com. And Ingrid, your website is notainclusion.com. Do I have that right? Absolutely. So you can find Ingrid there. Any final thoughts before we close out? No, this was awesome. Thank you for bringing me up to speed. (laughs) And um, I'm definitely going to be tuning in because I I love how you summarized what is happening. And I think as DEI practitioners and leaders, even within companies, it's important to know where we can tap into and what we can do. We don't have to reinvent the system or the wheel. I mean, the system, yes, the wheel. (laughs) We can can work with each other to figure out a solution that, you know, works. So I love this. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you. Well, folks, you can definitely catch this. The podcast will be out tomorrow, five things in 15 minutes, anywhere you get your podcast fix. Thank you so much, Ingrid. Have a great week. Bye. Thank you for listening to Five Things in 15 Minutes. I hope you found yourself inspired by at least one of this week's stories. If you did, would you mind sharing it with a colleague and leaving us a review on your favorite podcasting platform? And if you don't already get my Five Things newsletter, join at fivethingsdei.com. I'm Bernadette Smith, and I'll see you next week right here for Five Things in 15 Minutes, bringing good vibes to DEI.